the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the shoe. The big shoe. It's a show dedicated to get into your retirement. It's a show dedicated to making a little bit of sense of all this. I'm stoked we're having a down year because I'm not retired. I'm not stoked for people who are 70 years old and retired and wondering how far does it go. Hopefully when I'm 70, I'll be, I'm stoked things are down because whatever reason, I have enough. I've, I've lived enough. I was ready for it. I had enough cash. I had a plan. I work with a financial planner at EP Wealth who works for CFP Chad Burton, a guy named Brad. Um, he's awesome. He's just, he's sober. And every now and then money makes you kind of aggressive or it makes you a little depressed. It makes you a little happy. It makes you a little sad. It makes you a little greedy. It makes you a little fearful. He's sober. He reminds me like, this is what we need to do this year. Let's get her done. So we have the NASDAQ, the S&P, the Dow yesterday, all lower. Bitcoin was 4% lower, closing at 19987 Philip Morris, Altria was down 9%. We'll talk about that in uno momento. Fed Chair Jerome Powell acknowledged that vanquishing inflation might tip the economy into a recession. It's the first time he said that, I think. It's not the intended outcome, but trying to fight inflation, you tend to, the best way to do it is, is kill the job market. You can do what you can with monetary policy and raise interest rates so that borrowing money is more expensive, but not having a job is more of a detriment to using your credit card than the 17% to 19% jump in rates. It's just a fact, Jack. President Biden asked Congress yesterday to approve a three-month suspension of federal gas taxes at a time when you might as well, I don't know, give up. It's the president's latest effort to lower soaring energy prices at the pump. Critics are saying, nope. Beside its limited impact on Americans' wallets, a gas tax holiday doesn't jibe with two key policy focuses of Biden's. The infrastructure deal, the federal gas tax, fills the coffers of the road and transit building highway trust fund, which would lose out on $10 billion from the suspension. And climate, cheaper gas means it's more likely you'll fill up the muscle car and dumb and lose it across the country and end up dying in the Grand Canyon, which was a fascinating movie, by the way. I think it's one of my top 10 favorites. Ridley Scott, two women on the run from bad relationships. <clears throat> and he keeps seeing these male symbols, like a big tubular truck, which Freud would say is something. And uh, an airplane dropping chemicals on the ground, which looks another masculine image. And, and they keep running into these masculine images and they die in the Grand Canyon. I know it's a spoiler alert, but the movie's been out for 30 years. So they died in a very feminine image. Um, I know, I know you're saying... Is this all because of gas prices? Yes. Yes, it is. 
A devastating earthquake hit Afghanistan yesterday. At least 1,000 people were killed and more than 1,500 injured when an earthquake struck a rural part of eastern Afghanistan. I'm not asking to be or we are the world and see it as a humanitarian crisis. I'm telling you, weird things happen all across the planet every day. You can be in a car crash today that changes your financial life. You can be in an earthquake today that changes your financial life. Um, I am not kidding when I say you need to prep for the worst. Uh, one of the benefits that I have is that in my 30-year work career, I've been able to work for 30 years. Minus a, a turn with COVID last week. That, that's been as bad as sick as I've been in a long time. Um, I'm just throwing that out there for you. Like, I hope you and I never get hit by assault rifle violence. I hope we never get hit by it. It happens. And you have to be prepared for the financial consequences. Um, Elon Musk called Tesla's new factories in Germany and Texas gigantic money furnaces, losing billions of dollars. He is, he is setting up for, again, I probably said this last year and the year before, but he is setting up for a wild 2023. Google and NBC Universal are the leading candidates to work with Netflix on developing an ad-supported tier. What could Netflix do that would be smart? Could they do like the first three seasons of Netflix with ads? Uh, the first three seasons of Stranger Things? Or movies that are over two to three years old that are no longer getting the appeal, or TV shows like, you know, The Crown, that they, you know, if you have Netflix and you burn through it, you burn through it. <clears throat> Could they put one year hiatus on the new stuff for the non ad supported? We'll find out. Americans gave $485 billion to charity in 2021, a new record, but not enough to keep up with inflation. Ain't that something? Right there, we're talking about inflation and how it's hitting, um, and how it's hitting charity. Nike is doing a full exit from Russia. Three months ago, they shut down operations. They get less than one percent of their revenue from Russia and Ukraine, so it's more ceremonial than anything else. Media mogul Rupert Murdoch and his model actress wife Jerry Hall are getting divorced. He is 60% of what the TV show Succession is based off of. He's 91 years old. He's getting his fourth divorce. Hall is 65. She was previously married to Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger. Murdoch, an Australian, owns the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, and Fox News. All three institutions have massive influence over U.S. media. If I were, how shall we say, conspiracy theorist, first people I would kick out of our country are foreign-born who operate our press. Pickleball has seen an 11.5% average annual growth rate in the past five years. Pickleball, 4.8 million players in the United States. Get this. Shopify is helping merchants grow their offline sales with new ways of leveraging commerce tied towards it. Um, you're seeing sponsors show up in pickleball tournaments. You're seeing athletes who are becoming celebrities in pickleball. Is that a sport you want in on? Not me, but maybe you. It looks good on you. It's not going to look good on me. Um, elsewhere, Russia is reported close to taking over Luhansk province. Russia, uh, Germany has triggered the second level of its emergency gas plan, which suggests it sees a high risk of long-term gas supply shortages. We saw the June manufacturing and service PMIs for the Eurozone were weaker than expected. Tesla uh, did mention that a couple of factories are losing billions of dollars due to supply chain disruptions. 
so there's some assertions today that it's it's hiccupy as all heck out there. Germany is having problems securing natural gas going into winter. Russia's making some headway, manufacturing and service PMIs weaker than expected. Tesla burning billions. They're a big play on momentum, big, big play on speculation. Initial jobless claims didn't provide any course change. They came in line with expectations. Every Thursday, we get first-time unemployment claims. People have been told you're fired. Go and collect unemployment. They hit a number of 229,000. There's no read there other than to say that initial jobless claims have stalled and that our labor report is fairly strong. And we need that to weaken to take away from inflation. There's little slippage on the market today. Um, I feel like we've hit a period in the market where we're digesting the headlines on inflation. We're digesting the headlines on a recession's coming. Now, what's a recession again? The Nasdaq's up one half of 1%. The Dow's up one quarter of a percent. The S&P 500 up one third of a percent. I would say these moves are not static, but sideways is okay. Nice to have a breather. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. An education first approach to managing your money. This is the Rob Black Show. Let's go over some headline news of the day because I think there's some interesting stuff. Nike's exiting from Russia. Russia and Ukraine account for less than 1% of their revenue. So this seems more symbolic than anything else. But again, it reminds you of 1980 Russia and Billy Joel playing a concert and bringing rock and roll to Russia with the Levi jeans and Coca-Cola. And the power of brands like Nike, internationally speaking, representing the United States and Western culture. There's no shame investing in brands. Food and delivery company Daily Harvest is recalling its lentil and leek crumbles a day after customers complained on social media that it gave them stomach problems. Story there is that social media cracked the case. Google and NBC are leading candidates to work with Netflix on supporting some ad-supported tier. Uh, both are very interesting ideas. NBC Universal has Comcast. Google obviously has YouTube TV. Both, I think, are wonderful products. Comcast used to be just this we always complained about, but they seem to have got their customer service right, even though their pricing is still high. Crypto exchange Binance said it's eliminating fees for all customers on Bitcoin spot trading. This is fascinating to me. When things go tough, what do you do? You make it cheaper for people to get involved with. Who does that help? People. Who does it hurt? Competition. So Binance.us was launched in 2019. They're looking to raise more money. They want your deposits more so than they want to give you free trades. The fee cuts bad news for Coinbase, which saw its shares drop 9% on that news. If I told you that they needed money, Binance, to shore up their deposits versus it's free, you'd be like, ooh, that's two different messages, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Just my own little opinion. It's something I always wanted as a child. Lego's going green mean it's reinventing the entire product ahead of its billion-dollar investment in a Virginia uh, manufacturing plant. A Lego brick of the future needs to seamlessly fit with their brand, and it needs to be made retro with bricks that were made 60 years ago, 
and make sure that it goes forward with new ideas on how plastic should be distributed in our society. In 2020, LEGO adopted a science-based emissions target to reduce emissions by 37% from a 2019 baseline by 2032. If you think about Legos, single-use plastic and how many of them just end up in landfill, it's kind of a sad toy that they're doing their best to change that imaging. And I say good luck to them on that one. Goldfish. Goldfish. Do you remember being a child and your mom would put goldfish in your lunch and you were like stoked? And you had all that cheddary goodness and you didn't even have to pull out a fishing rod to get some goldfish and you're stoked? Well, Generation Z isn't early. They like the cheddar, but Generation Z wants a little bit more. Now, when I say the word goldfish snacks, it makes you smile. Come on. It's a good part of your childhood. The focus on Gen Z is deliberate. Gen Z has different palates. If you ever go into like a 7-Eleven and you look at the type of Doritos, you're like, when I was a kid, there was nacho cheese and, and ranch. And now you're like seeing flaming hot ghost pepper. You're seeing crazy type of chips. Well, same thing with goldfish. Deliberate shift focusing on a new consumer who has a bigger palate. If you take a look at the chicken wars, they're all about spicy chicken sandwiches. Generation Z and millennials want spicy. Um, classic cheddar is great. But to appeal to someone like me who might want to have goldfish while I watch the San Francisco Giants baseball game today on Old Timer Network, I may want a flavor that they're offering Old Bay. Eh, eh. I don't know. Uh, but they're trying to widen their aperture, so to speak, for the cons consumer base. Generation Z is actually favorite in-store experiences. So... How do you get Generation Z to buy your product? You throw in some spice, you, you make the in-store experience a little bit more appealing. Um, with Goldfish, Goldfish is you know a, a product. I want you to see everything on Wall Street as a product. Anything you buy, Bitcoin, it's a product. It's digital cash, right? Or is it? Um, Activision, it's video games. Microsoft, it's operating systems, video games, and much, much more. Apple, it's phones, it's wristwatches, it's augmented reality it's a car maybe it's software it's storing your photos online for you for years and years and years of subscription money goldfish has a tiktok experience that is unlike nothing you've ever seen before my, my son showed this to me goldfish tiktok account has over one hundred thirty thousand followers and I guess you could say goldfish are kind of like when I'm a, when as an acting dad some mornings, I'm like, okay, what am I going to put in their lunches? It's always nice to get the goldfish packets, right? And he was showing me that go for the handful, hashtag go for the handful TikTok challenge where Dallas Mavericks center, Boba Mojanovic held 301 in one hand. And that was a cultural driver. How many goldfish can you hold in one hand? Uh, that's branding that's genius because once you have a goldfish in your hand, what do you do with it? You eat it. So Generation Z likes these TikTok challenges. If I'm coming up with an ad campaign right now, I want to do a TikTok challenge. Can you save $100 in 100 days? $1 a day challenge. 
And then you're on your way to retirement, like, right? I just give a lot of props there to Goldfish and the fact that we could talk about them in this day and age in some way, shape, or form having to do with retirement. One thing I want to hit, Amazon is demonstrating Alexa mimicking the voice of a deceased relative. Wow. I love the TV show Netflix, Black Mirror. I think every one of those episodes are going to be studied in the years to come as a dark dystopian take on how technology affects us. In one episode, a woman brings her husband back to life by scanning through all his emails and using his voice. And suddenly he's talking to her again with computer AI. Now it gets deeper, darker than that, but she doesn't really want to re-engage in life. She doesn't really want to go find a new spouse. She's got all his email intelligence, years and years of relationship of notes, reminders to each other. Computer can learn how to talk like him. Now Amazon's demonstrating this feature that I can die and suddenly my Alexa can talk to my kids and read them a story at night. Weird. In a demonstration yesterday, Amazon showed, hey, Alexa, can grandma finish reading me The Wizard of Oz? And then suddenly Alexa's voice starts to slowly transition to softer human-like, mimicking the child's family member. The Alexa team developed a model that allows its voice assistants to produce high-quality voice with less than a minute of recorded audio. Features in development, it could ostensibly be used to replace any voice. It could be used to help memorialize a deceased family member, making artificial intelligence conversational and companion-like. After someone we've loved is gone. Yeah, I'd like to have my kids hear my dad's voice, but like once in a video recording not reading them books. My dad's been dead for 25 years. What do you think about that Amazon Alexa story? Find me online at robblackshow.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. I'm naturally suspicious. I grew up with a dad who wasn't really smooth and easy and easy to predict. So I always had to try to read his mood and his mode that he was going to operate in on that day. I don't like Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary. I see him in financial media a lot. I see his articles out there a lot. And I just go, I don't know you from anything is ever succeeding at anything other than being on a TV show and playing the part of, is he Mr. Wonderful? Or is that the other guy? Doesn't matter. Point being is that to me, he seems like a character. He's not the wealthy guy. He's the character. I saw Martin Cuban as the guy who created broadcast.com, sold it to Yahoo, a couple billion dollars. Then he shorted Yahoo because he thought they paid way too much for it. I see him as financially savvy. I see him as a guy who navigated a success story in the dot-com era and pulled off a bet against himself in the dot-com era. So when Kevin O'Leary talks, I'm like, eh, I don't get it. It's like I grew up watching Donald Trump hit the financial headlines with investing in the USFL because he couldn't get an NFL team. He started working with other rich people in the USFL. I'm like, that's kind of second place. Like he wasn't good enough to be in the first tier. He had an airline that he started that failed. He had casinos that he started and failed. I never saw him as a successful business person. And when I saw him on The Apprentice, I'm just like, this is stupid. You fired. That doesn't make a good business person. Anyhow, um, I just saw his. Anyone who could lose money in a casino, it just it shocks me. It shocks me. 
one more time, it shocks me. So I look at some people and I see them for what they are, Kevin O'Leary and Donald Trump. They're not great business people. They're great marketers. And that I wouldn't take advice from a great marketer. Just my opinion. Zuckerberg has hinted that Meta may need an operating system for the metaverse to generate hundreds of billions in revenue by the end of the decade. Um, of note, Meta is in the news a lot this morning. Um, so Zuckerberg is hinting at an operating system. He is dying to have something like Apple. Otherwise, his platforms are aging. Facebook is for old people now. Instagram is for the, the I don't want to say the middle class, but the, maybe the middle age. What's he going to do to have the next TikTok that gets the eyeballs of kids? He doesn't have it. And he's hoping that the metaverse is something that it's able to take off. A lot of problems. Employees are confused by what's going on. There's frustration. There's confusion. One insider said there's no coherent strategy. Trying to set the business trajectory is tough when you're freezing hiring. So they're working with what they have and they're hoping for no future layoffs. I don't see this version going well for Zuckerberg. Does it not lead to something better in the long term? Maybe. Meta just launched Avatar Store where users can buy designer brands like Balenciaga. I'm saying that wrong, I'm sure. Prada and Tom Brown for their virtual selves. Um, the... Virtual clothes that you're buying, it's like a skin in, in Fortnite. If you've ever seen the game and you're paying $9 to be Indiana Jones and $9 to be Star, uh, um, the King, Darth Vader. Maybe you're paying $5 to be a kind of a, a sledder or a skateboarder. But items in the high-end fashion brands for the Avatar store in Meta are going to range from $2.99 to $8.99. Plus, there's hundreds of free outfits as well. Customizable avatars are meant to act as a visual representation of the user. I don't need a visual avatar to wear a Prada. I find that kind of silly. But the Avatar store is now starting to roll out in the US, Canada, Thailand, and Mexico. And you're trying to see what they're trying to do, virtually speaking. I don't know. Would you spend $9.99 on a virtual dress so you can look pretty in the springtime? And maybe $9.99 on a nice wool fleece so you can look cool during the wintertime in your online business meetings? That's what Meta has to hope for is that online business somehow takes off with this. That the work from home is able to be replaced with work with virtual reality from home or augmented reality. I personally, like I said, don't get it. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, throwing that out there for you, just so you know, it's the headset that's got me at this point. So some workers, I think they did a survey of about nine or 10 people, tried to use the headset for a whole week at work. Two dropped out immediately, and every single one of them who stayed complained of, it caused me my, my head to spin. Like it was problematic. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Chipotle restaurant in Maine becomes the chain's first to file for a union election. What stinks about unions right now is my concept has had to change in the last 30 years. To me, unions were great for police, teachers, and firefighters. 
and then you start getting into unions for like automakers and you get like how steel towns and auto towns have no other jobs really you have a big factory that services the community and then you get a little services around that but you don't really get a lot of representation I find that unions in America are broken. Some of them are good. Some of them are awful. Um, some of them are looking out to their own interest and they don't work well together. So when I see a Chipotle Mexican grill and I go, isn't that fast food? Is that a burrito chain? They're demanding safe, adequate staffing and they're unionizing. Ultimately, I think this is something that our federal government could have saved by raising the minimum wage. Um, I think states are doing it, but not as fast as they should. Workers and airlines, retailers and tech companies have been organizing, fueled by desire for better working conditions. Maybe it's the better working conditions that I don't get because I used to look at the labor relationship with the union as we need electricians. We need them. We don't want an electrician coming into our house and three months later it burning down. So I get the union, you know, I get the union on police officers. Uh, we need protection. We need adequate training. Then you start getting into Black Lives Matter and police lives and like who sues whom and who stands up for whom against the mayor. Like that's way too political for me. But workers at Chipotle are unionizing. I don't know how I feel about that, to be quite honest with you. I'm just being honest. Supreme Court struck down a New York gun law restricting concealed carry. Supreme Court struck it down, a law that requires applicants for a license to conceal carry a gun to have proper cause to do so. The ruling is a significant victory for gun rights advocates who had challenged New York's restrictive law, which made it a crime to carry a concealed firearm without a license. Um, the Supreme Court could get very, very interesting this month as a lot of cases are going to be dropped. And this is one of them. Gun rights just took a different turn today. Not a big one but a different turn. The FDA has banned Juul e-cigarettes as the government pursues broader crackdowns on nicotine products. Yesterday was announced the government has scaled back how much nicotine can go into cigarettes. Today, it's being announced that they're shutting down Juul e-cigarettes. The e-cigarettes brand gained popularity in 2017. And I remember this is pre-pandemic. You know, the, the news stories were crawling all over each other. Like, are they selling cherry-flavored nicotine to 17-year-olds? And they were. And anything that you breathe into your lungs, probably not going to be great for your lungs unless it's pure oxygen, you know? Uh, Juul cigarettes have, or Juul e-cigarettes, have chemicals, metals, cancer-causing elements. It's not going to be good. And people looked at it as better than a cigarette, but not by a lot. Juul Labs stopped selling fruity-flavored e-cigarettes to cut back their ad campaign. Sales of the brands have fallen years since. Between 2018 and 2021, the company's value has plunged from $38 billion down to $5 billion. Competition has caught them in e-cigarettes. Altria owns a 35% stake in Juul. Um, I don't know if there's more of a story here than 2017. It was all the rage. All the kids were doing it. Kind of like crypto. In 2021, not so much. Is there a parallel there? I think there's a little bit of one. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Uh, let's take a look at the market numbers. 
I don't do that enough. And I know that I don't do that enough. In my head, I don't want you looking at the market each and every second of the day. Stocks are rising as Powell has testified today. Initial jobless claims, flash PMIs, and Powell testimony are on the docket for today. Uh, he looks like, let me, let me just, you know, political office, they say could age you badly. Like Obama went into office looking like a 35-year-old man. He comes out looking like a you know, great-great-grandfather. Same thing with George Bush Jr., George Bush Sr. It, it really ages you the job. But Jerome Powell looks like he's really aging right now in front of Congress. The Fed is behind. They've been behind for a while. They've got their work cut out for them. And a recession seems all but inevitable. And the Federal Reserve talked about that a little bit, saying that it could happen. That's the first time they've said that yesterday in front of Congress. And Congress isn't going to like that. Congress is going to be all in a tizzy about that. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Jerome Powell is part of the show today. Uh, Deborah Burks is testifying before Congress on Trump administration's pandemic response. That show is still going on. Oh, it's funny because people are getting frustrated with this pandemic and it seems like another one's right behind us, according to Biden and other strategists like Bill Gates. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So summing up some of the advice that I've heard this week and given out, <clears throat> market doesn't hit a bottom until inflation hits the top. Next couple of months, we're going to be paying attention to the consumer price index a lot more than we're going to be paying attention to the jobs report on the first Friday of the month. Today, we're seeing a little bit of a rebound off an incredibly oversold condition. Not so much incredibly oversold that I said, we've hit a panic. We're here. We're in the clear. This is the bottom. We're probably not going to be able to say that out loud. We wish we could, but we can tell you in the past what marked a bottom. It was big job cuts. It was big earnings revisions. It was a big super down day, down 1,400, up 600 by the end of the day. Um, it has to be something dramatic and spectacular until it doesn't. That's the beauty of this stupid game. Mega cap stocks are doing well. People are accumulating companies that they feel safe in, like Apple and Microsoft. I feel that all the companies that I invest in, minus one, are financially really, really strong. And the one momentum stock that I have, or growth, hyper growth stock, I'm willing to buy more and average down. You have to have a statement like that in your head. And even if you have a professional financial planner, like I work with EP Wealth and they manage a big chunk of my money, you better believe I listen to their conference calls. You better believe I listen to quarterly updates. I talk with one of the portfolio strategists every Monday. I have that luxury being on an insider of the company. But you should talk to your financial planner. And if you don't have a financial planner and you're doing it yourself, you better have all the answers or, or many of the answers. In the future, if you own healthcare stocks, do you think we're going to use healthcare? HMOs, PPOs, insurance companies, drug pharmaceutical companies, biotech companies. The biotech companies are probably the most, uh, how shall we say, susceptible right now. Because if you're working on a cure for cancer, you need a cure for cancer doctors. And finding a cure for cancer doctors, not cheap. 
he could go work for a cure for hair loss or a cure for erectile dysfunction. He could work for anyone in the industry, but he's deciding to work for you and you have to pay him. Biotech is inherently expensive because you're trying to do something undoable. I love biotech. I love the whole healthcare sector. And if I were to say, I think you could put 20% of your money in healthcare. I don't think that's a crazy place to start because it's 20% of our gross domestic product. It is what it is. We spend a lot of money in that sector. <clears throat> so I think if you were to break down the healthcare sector, you would say there's major insurance companies and, and HMOs and PPOs. You'd say there's major pharmaceutical companies. Then you could probably go into like retail. Then you go into biotech and hospitals. If you were to divvy up into four or five of those categories, 20% of your portfolio, I don't think you're in the wrong area. How would I do it? 100% I would do it with ETFs or index funds. There is an index fund and an ETF for medical devices. As America ages, we're getting more hip replacements of which I'm now at the age when anyone says they've had a hip or knee replacement. I go, how'd it go? What was the worst part? <clears throat> um, heart stents, valves, pacemakers. Uh, we're coming up with more and more medical devices, surgeries that can be done with robot precision on things like your heart. I like what I see in that sector, but it's also some of those are elective procedures. Some of them are not going to be covered by insurance. So you have to really own the whole sector. We're aging as a society. We're taking more pharmaceuticals. We're taking more generics. Telehealth is an idea to save some money in the industry. Do I think you should have a telehealth play? Only if you need speculation. Because the other areas, the major pharmaceuticals, the HMOs, the PPOs, the medical devices and the biotech have been around for 20, 30, 40 years and they have the track record. Telehealth or teledoc, it is what it is. I think it's, it's certainly a great idea and it got pulled forward, yes, in the pandemic. But there's going to be some <clears throat> insurance companies going, you know, we could do that on our own. There's going to be some competition. So be very cautious with the story. It's a great story. You tell it so well, Forrest, but be careful. There's something called life hacks, and I should do more of these. Um, I totally love stories about how people are saving more money. And if you ever want to share one with me, I'll share one with you. You know, I talk about how I dry all my white laundry outside. I live in a sunshine state, and my white towels love it. House hacking is a strategy that involves renting out a portion of your home and using the income to cover some or all of your housing costs. I would consider that, but it is also a major commitment to say, I'm going to have a stranger living in my home. Maybe it doesn't have to be a stranger. Maybe it could be someone that helps you out with cleaning. Maybe like there's different ways of doing it. Living in a duplex makes it easier, but if you had a big grandmother's unit, I think that's something I would consider. One of the people I worked with in radio, him and his spouse left the market. I'm like, maybe I'll could look at a bigger home. And rent out one of the rooms. Like, I never thought about that. <clears throat> you have to look for hacks. Um, other than on where you live, you have to look at cutting back expenditures on food and transportation. I try to save as much of my income as possible. Trimming major expenses, it is a sacrifice. It doesn't feel great. 
Um, could it be an extra car that you have? Sure. Um, could it be you pick up extra work on the weekends with that extra car, doing a little food delivery? Maybe. But even cutting back on food can be as simple as going out to eat less or deleting food delivery apps off your phone like DoorDash and Uber Eats. It's not cheap. It's not free. And if you find yourself budgeting too much for delivery, catch it. Track your expenses. I think that's wildly important. Small expenses like home supplies, target runs, eating out, they add up the quickest on your costs. So if you have any good hacks, let me know. I'd always be willing to share them on air. I have a friend that shares his family plan on the phone with his mom and dad. Now, it's unfortunate that he is a grown adult and he has to contact his parents to pay their half. But I'm not against a hack like that if it saves on a family plan. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.